And we're back. So welcome to another ambushed podcast. Sometimes I feel as though that's a very corny intro. But I've been out of it for a bit because we are in the season of Lent and life has been rather busy, but here we are and we're back. I am in the middle of working on a new intro music, so I don't have one for this episode, but I hope you don't mind. Um, So let's just dive right in, okay? So this past few weeks of Lent, I have been purposefully challenging myself to read other things, to think outside of the box, to really take this church season of Lent as a time to really reflect and to dive deep and to try to come to a better understanding of my faith at all times. So it's taken me through some interesting places, but one of the best things that's happened in the past few weeks is coming to a different understanding of just what religion is, okay? So apart from specific faiths like Judaism, Christianity, Buddhism, whatever, I'm starting to try to just think about what is a religion and how does it work and and all of these things. And then, uh, fortunately, I had the opportunity to go to some lecture up in New York city one Saturday. I had the opportunity to look back at some of my own books on my bookshelf that really, I guess maybe I glossed over. But in the end, I came back to realizing that the New Testament already has a lot of really sharp comments about religion. And sharp, I mean, They're on point. They're not just meant to be cutting. They're supposed to be, by examining religion, they're supposed to be pointing towards what real faith is. So this one, right now, this episode, the only thought I had was just to share some of these things. So this one, I think I'm going to just call it hijacking religion. Okay, so let's go ahead. Religion seems to be just another uh, system or a way by which man has found a way to give meaning to life, to certain parts of life, to their experiences around them. And so in that sense, religion is kind of a technology. It kind of gives meaning to things, right? technology in the sense that this is the machinery, even though it's through symbols or whatnot, it it really is a machine. I mean, maybe you've experienced it even as a machine, whatever your religious upbringing. But there's something that I noticed in looking at some of the stories of 
Jesus and some of his comments about religion, it seems to be that he's right in the same uh, channel or the same stream as the Old Testament prophets as they would go along and critique the religious leaders of their day, how people were approaching these systems and whatnot. And then I had a conversation with someone that really challenged me in thinking Christianity is at the same time, okay, the way, the ethics of Jesus, following his teachings, whatever, is at the same time, yes, kind of a religion and above that because the ethics and the teachings of Jesus can't be culturally bound, but sometimes people dress it up, right? But here is the main thought, is that it seems to be that there are two different levels of authentic Christianity. And the first one is immature religion. And then the other one I might say is when you realize like, oh, this is what authentic Christian faith is. And that's when it kind of rises above just being a religion and becomes the way that you see life around you and relate to people and things and the world and justice and everything. So the passage that challenged me was from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 17, okay? And Luke is a narrative that right from the get-go says that it's a compilation of all the stories of Jesus. But fascinatingly enough, it is a gospel that is the most concerned with the poor and the orphans and women and it's just a very ethical book. So of course this passage would be in there, right? But it goes like this. Actually it's chapter 18, my mistake. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. That seems to be, in parable, in story form, one of the best critiques 
of religion and admonitions towards what authentic faith really is that I've ever heard. So the first one, the Pharisee was one of the religious elite that were seen in the community as the ones that were very pious, very close to God in the day. However, the Pharisee at this point misses the point and finds a way to let his own immature religion maintain his ego and his pride. In one very real way, you could say his religion was completely built upon comparison. Comparison of the person next to him, the person behind him in front. It seems to be that all forms of immature religion are really just an externalization of our own ego and our own pride. Unfortunately, religious terminology helps us to sound more pious than we really are. Helps us to sound like we are more faithful or closer to the heart of God than we really are. Because by this Pharisee's vocabulary, by the way they dress, the externals, quote-unquote, the technology of his religion, the way that he tried to provide meaning to his life was all just a joke. It was a joke. And so here's a story of a man that everyone thought was close to God, but my goodness, within was very, very far away. But then when you go to the other one, yes, the tax collectors were the least looked upon, but I think that's part of the pun here. In public, the tax collectors were shunned. They were avoided. They were seen as the ones that were stealing from their own family. They were making a profit off of their own people. But at least here, this tax collector has moved beyond immature religion and has started to step foot into what authentic and real faith is. Because for the tax collector, religion is no longer about comparison. It has nothing to do with looking up or down on someone else. For this tax collector, it was all about self-reflection and culpability. It was all about looking at yourself. And so here we have the first view of religion is one of comparison. And that's how we identify who is pure. But then the pun comes here. And in authentic faith, it's actually all about introspection. Real, real religion has got nothing to do with comparison. And so as long as, I mean, as, as long as you allow faith to be a part of your life, 
it's going to change the way that you relate to things around you and even to yourself. Because it seems like if your faith or your approach to your religion allows you to focus on someone else's faults, then it's this first kind of immature faith. Good job. You're learning the lingo and you got the vocabulary down. You're starting to use the technology here, but you're still using it wrong. You could very well say both of these men, the the Pharisee and tax collector, both go to synagogue. They go to the temple just to do confession. But the way they do confession, the way they admit their wrongs, shows whether or not they've got an egoistic faith or one that actually lets them go home blessed by God. You see, the ego, it's so sneaky. We don't ever want to just point at ourselves or to admit that we've got some stuff going on. And so the ego, even when a good religion comes along and pious vocabulary is allowed to us and we start to learn, the ego even finds a way to like twist the religion into a way of maintaining pride. It's almost like it becomes a bigger fortress for our pride to grow in. I mean, have you ever seen someone like this? Chances are people have seen me as this at some point or another in my life. I'm sure of it. And I'm probably, if I'm going to take this story seriously, I have to say that there are probably many, many times when I have personally used the Christian religion to maintain my own ego and my own pride that I have allowed the words of the Bible and the words of Jesus to enable (laughs) my own desire to compare myself to other people. But that's not authentic faith and that's not what Jesus is saying here is what should be looked up to. Your clothes don't make you pious. Your words don't make you pious. It has a lot to do with your internal motivations for what brings you to temple. You see, this whole Lenten season, I've been going back and forth with asking this question of what is cultural Christianity and what is authentic Christianity. I work at a church and I hate dressing up. I hate wearing ties. I hate all of that. God's not honored or glorified by the way that we dress. God is most honored and glorified when we live just lives and we care about the poor and we feed the homeless shelter the homeless, feed the hungry, visit those in prison, serve those who are sick, seek equal pay for both genders. There's a lot 
that really brings a smile to God, to God's face. But if we, are, if we want to learn from this passage, we've got to say, God's not too impressed by the fact that we go to confession. God's more impressed with the motivations and what's revealed even in the moment of when we are, quote-unquote, confessing. Authentic Christian faith is one that doesn't allow you to maintain your immaturity or your pride or your ego. Authentic Christian faith is one that has learned humility And I just recently found out that apparently humility was not a virtue prior to Christianity. And in some sense, pride was the bigger virtue. But when you've got at the center of the Christian narrative, a God that dies almost naked outside and rejected, you've got to come around to recognizing that being flashy and impressive with the externals doesn't count for much in the world of Christianity or authentic faith. So I don't know what you're doing this uh, Lenten season, but we only have a few more weeks left, and so hopefully you can let Lent be one of those seasons that helps to Purify your perspective of religion. By purify, I mean to, to strain away some of the unnecessary things. To learn to look at faith as a, not merely an assent to a creed or doctrines, but to see faith as, as a way of relating to everything and everyone, including yourself and the things that you own in a proper and right way that holds things in perspective. So this Lent, ask yourself whether or not you've allowed yourself (laughs) to hijack religion. Do some introspection. Take some time to reflect on and ask whether or not your approach to the faith has enabled you or allowed you or given you permission to give in to comparison, to look down on others, to think of yourself as better off just because you've got, quote unquote, the right vocabulary. God's not impressed by vocabulary or the way we dress, or so many other things that we think God is about. But apparently, authentic faith means that you know how to love your neighbor well, and that you seek to pick them up rather than throw them down. That you choose 
to not give into a culture of comparison, but instead choose to cultivate. Oh my. What's the opposite of comparison? It starts with the C <laughs> that helps you to cultivate compassion. There you go. For the people around you. Because I may be wrong, but I am more inclined to think that authentic faith is about compassion rather than comparison. So go be blessed. Think about this on your ride, in your car, on the train, and then share it with someone else. All right. So I'll catch you next time. Bye.